0: Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Thanks for joining us for another one of our Idea Generator sessions. It's always a special day when you stop by. It's Ladies Day here at the How to Matter headquarters, so let me get the ball rolling for us. Confucius said, everything has beauty, but not everyone sees it. Well, it may be a bit presumptuous to disagree with Confucius. But ugly is ugly. There definitely are events, situations, circumstances, and conditions that are most assuredly not beautiful. Johann von Goethe said, the soul that sees beauty may sometimes walk alone. And if Confucius saw beauty in everything, he either spent a lot of time in the wilderness by himself or was blind to significant aspects of reality. Leo Tolstoy said, It is amazing how complete is the delusion that beauty is goodness. Combine that with Gilbert Keith Chesterton's observation, there is a road from the eye to the heart that does not go through the intellect, and it's easier to understand how Confucius came to his conclusion. Wanting to see good in everything, he made the leap that the good he wanted to see was also beautiful. The point is this. Not all that is good is necessarily beautiful and not all that is beautiful is necessarily good. What's more, just as ugly is ugly, evil is evil. There certainly are people and things, circumstances and events that are malefic failing to appreciate this reality is to turn over our families, our businesses, our communities to people and conditions that are,
2: as they say, ugly clean through. Start your journey with E.E. Cummings who said, it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are, then invite Samuel Johnson to join your trek. He is the one who said, there lurks, Perhaps in every human heart a desire of distinction, which inclines every man first to hope, and then to believe, that nature has given him something peculiar to himself, you should let Friedrich Nietzsche come along too, for he said, at bottom every man knows well enough that he is a unique being, only once on this earth, and by no extraordinary chance will such a marvelously picturesque piece of diversity and unity as he is, ever be put together a second time. Julius Charles Hare also has some advice qualifying him to serve as your traveling companion, be what you are. This is the first step towards becoming better than you are, it was your fellow traveler Samuel Johnson who said, almost every man wastes part of his life in attempts to display qualities which he does not possess, and to gain applause which he cannot keep. With that in mind, find room in your party for John Mason. You need his wisdom, you were born an original. Don't die a copy, Rabbi Zusiah said on the day of judgment that God would ask him, not why he had not been Moses, but why he had not been Zusiah, just be sure you are not asked why you hadn't been you. Douglas Adams had what was
3: likely an important insight into the nature of free will. If you were free to do what you will, what would you choose? Before you take your pick, Here is Adam's point for you to contemplate, it is an important and popular fact that things are not always what they seem. For instance, on the planet Earth, man had always assumed that he was more intelligent than dolphins, because he had achieved so much, the wheel, New York, wars and so on, whilst all the dolphins had ever done was muck about in the water having a good time. But conversely. The Dolphins had always believed that they were far more intelligent than man, for precisely the same reasons. A particularly good time to do your contemplating is the next time you are doing the laundry or find yourself parked on the freeway during rush hour or trying to figure out how to negotiate the new and procedure for the office network. Your conclusion may be that Mark Twain had a point when he said, I have been studying the traits and dispositions of the lower animals, so-called, and contrasting them with the traits and dispositions of man. I find the result humiliating to me. Red Auerbach said, the only correct actions are those that demand
1: no explanation and no apology, now it isn't that just dandy. It likely means the key to correct actions is to never make a mistake to never make an error in judgement, to never make a social or emotional miscalculation. You get the idea. Red may have identified the key, but using it may be a bit risky. It is the same key that locks the door to personal growth, more fulfilling relationships, and expanding opportunity. So long as you don't overdo it, an occasional apology is, as grandpa liked to say, a good way to have the last word. Just be sure to keep Kimberly Johnson's caution in mind
4: when you apologize, never ruin an apology with an excuse. You may be tempted to presume self-confidence is a good quality merely because it improves your performance. People who are self-confident generally do better than those who aren't. Feeling confident does enhance one's functioning, but that is only the half of it. As Lord Chesterfield said, polished brass will pass upon more people than rough gold. The point is that looking confident may be as important as being confident. Niccolo Machiavelli put it like this, Men in general judge more from appearances than from reality. All men have eyes, but few have the gift of penetration. Daniel Webster expanded on the point, The world is governed more by appearance than realities, so that it is fully as necessary to seem to know something as to know it. Bautasar Grochan may have been excessively cynical, things do not pass for what they are, but for what they seem. Most things are judged by their jackets. Even so, Ivy Compton Burnett's view is likely at least partially correct, appearances are not held to be a clue to the truth. But we seem to have no other. The take-home point is to be sure that, along with being self-confident, you also appear to be who you want others to think you are. For example, along with feeling like a winner, you also need to look like a winner.
0: The greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering his attitudes. This pronouncement by William James is well worth committing to memory, although the underlying idea didn't originate with James' generation. Many centuries earlier, Publius Terenius Afer said, There is nothing so easy but that it becomes difficult when you do it reluctantly. The focus is different. But the message is the same. Consider Catherine Mansfield's take on the theme, could we change our attitude, we should not only see life differently, but life itself would come to be different. Sure, it's easy for them to say, but you are the one who has to live your life. It's also true you are in charge of your perception of the life you have to live. Perhaps you will want to align with Winston Churchill who said, I am an optimist. It does not seem too much use being anything else. As the famous and unobserved, we cannot direct the wind but we can adjust the sails. Very often a change of self is needed more than a change of scene. According to Arthur Christopher Benson, if that change of self feels like a stretch, ponder this insight from F. Scott Fitzgerald. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time, and still retain the ability to function. One should, for example, be able to see that things are hopeless and yet be determined to make them otherwise. It really is like Art letter pointed out, things turn out best for the people who make the best out of the way things
5: turn out. Since I get to go last, let me close this out on a somewhat lighter note. The bicycle, the bicycle surely, should always be the vehicle of novelists and poets. Christopher Morley's point is certainly worth pondering, for as the famous and unobserved, it would not be at all strange if history came to the conclusion that the perfection of the bicycle was the greatest incident of the 19th century. It is as Iris Murdoch argued, the bicycle is the most civilized conveyance known to man. Other forms of transport grow daily more nightmarish. Only the bicycle remains pure in heart. When man invented the bicycle he reached the peak of his attainments. Here was a machine of precision and balance for the convenience of man. And, unlike subsequent inventions for man's convenience, the more he used it, the fitter his body became. Here, for once, was a product of man's brain that was entirely beneficial to those who used it, and of no harm or irritation to others. Progress should have stopped when man invented the bicycle, according to Elizabeth West. Should you doubt, consider this from Bill Strickland, the bicycle is the most efficient machine ever created, converting calories into gas, a bicycle gets the equivalent of 3,000 miles per gallon. If that isn't reason enough to recommend the bicycle, President Kennedy said, nothing compares to the simple pleasure of a bike ride. Yes, cycle tracks will abound in utopia. H.G. Wells said, and Grant Peterson added, think of bicycles as rideable art that can just about save the world. Ah, yes, and the lowly bicycle is, to the surprise of many, the world's first hybrid vehicle, easily powered by only Big Max and you.
1: I certainly enjoyed that and hope you did too. Please stop back again real soon.
0: Thank you for taking time to join us today. We hope you always matter to people who matter to you. Be well, do well, and please visit us again on How to Matter. How to matter. How to matter, how to matter, how to matter. 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 How to matter.